The trumpet is blown to announce the advent, the arrival, the parousia, the epiphany of the great king. But still the question remains, who are the trumpeters? Well, the trumpeters go before the king, much like John the Baptist, the forerunner. But the trumpeters also have another post. The trumpeters take their place with the watchmen on the ramparts. And when the watchmen see the arrival of the king, they see the silhouette of the king's entourage on the horizon. And they say to the trumpeters, trumpeters, blow your trumpets. He's coming. And in this sense, we monks are trumpeters in the church. We're blowing our trumpets <laughs> in some way uh, eight times a day, uh, beginning before sunrise. Who hears the trumpets blown in so many monastic choirs? You're here this evening. You hear us blowing our trumpets, so to speak, announcing the arrival of the great king. But there is a sense in which the vibration of our monastic prayer, you know about the vibrations of sound, um, something else goes on also in the mystical body of Christ. Uh, our prayer in some way, stirs the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, I want to say, the members of his body, to rise and go forth to meet the bridegroom. How does this work, you ask? God, considering the trumpeting of his trumpeters, of his watchmen, so disposes his grace that souls are mysteriously moved to respond. This is the mystery of the mystical body. Difficult to explain, but utterly certain. And what is the message of the trumpeters? The day of the Lord is near. He's finally here. He's coming. He's at the gates. Behold, he shall come to save us. Ece vinieth ad salvandum nos. Oh, that allows for many different levels and shades of meaning. Behold, he shall come to save us in the sense of liberate us, set us free, deliver us. Behold, he shall come to make us whole to heal us, to repair us. And the antiphon ends, Alleluia, Alleluia. How could it end in any other way? The second antiphon, Behold, the desired of all nations shall come. The antiphon gives to Christ the title Desideratus, the desired one. All of 
creation, all of history, all of mankind, from the fall of our first parents is somehow aspirated into this longing, this yearning, this almost painful desire for Christ. The whole cosmos exists for Christ, waits for him, yearns for him. Doesn't St. Paul talk about that in the Epistle to the Romans? Behold, the desire of all nations shall come. The one who will fill all your desires and mine, leaving no desire of ours unrequited. And the house of the Lord, the church, but also each soul. And the house of the Lord shall be filled with glory. Glory is the effulgence of the divine presence. The soul in the state of grace, a soul inhabited by the indwelling trinity, a soul quickened by the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, a soul enriched with the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost, a soul in which the fruits of the Holy Ghost are manifest, is filled with the glory of the Lord. And this is the promise held out for us in the second half. And the third, from the prophet Isaiah, our Advent prophet, oh, listen to this, the crooked, the crooked, all of us, the crooked shall become straight, or if you prefer, the crooked shall be set straight. This means that we will lose all our complications, all of the things that twist us, and the rough ways, the rough ways in me, and the rough ways in all of you, shall be made plain. The image, I think, is that of, the word is plain, P-L-A-I-N, but it evokes the image of the plain, that the uh, craftsman working with wood uses to make the wood absolutely smooth. And of course, what happens? Uh, layers of the wood are shaved off. Uh, go into the woodworking shop here at the monastery. It's a messy business with sawdust and shavings. This is the work of the divine artisan. He shaves away layer after layer. And it appears that he's making a great mess of it with sawdust and wood shavings everywhere. And at the end, as I like to say to Don Finian, 
the wood is like porcelain. A very good image of the divine action in our souls. And the fourth antiphon of the Psalms tonight is taken from the same text that the Church will give us on the Sunday within the octave of Christmas, that is to say, from the 18th chapter of uh, the Book of Wisdom, while all things were in quiet silence, dum medium silencium tenerent omnia, and the night was in the midst of her course, Thy almighty word, O Lord, came down from heaven, leaped down from heaven, from thy royal throne. Oh, and the rest of the text is almost disconcerting. Thine almighty word, we sang, O Lord, shall come forth from thy royal throne. But the rest of the text tells us that he comes forth as a warrior, as a warrior, and he comes to destroy. We have to welcome the divine warrior. We have to allow him to destroy in us all that needs to be laid low and to put to death in us all that needs to be slain. Not quite one's sweet notion of the Christmas carol, rather this notion of the word descending from heaven as a mighty warrior. To the warrior, to the king who comes, I say, come and do what thy father has sent thee to do. Do it in me, do it in all of us, do it in thy church. Do it in this thy world. Come, Lord Jesus, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.